Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. I'm Lonnie. And I'm Jeff. Welcome, audience. Last time we left you, uh, we left you with a subject matter concerning the mysteries of God. And the question we want to ask ourselves as, uh, as Christians is, is, are the mysteries of God integral to salvation? Are they integral to the new birth? In other words, does a person have to understand the mysteries of God? Inst incidentally, the word mystery simply means truth revealed, something that was formerly hidden that is now revealed. So let me read a scripture to you concerning conversion and the mysteries of God. It says here, Jesus was asked by his disciples, why do you speak to us plainly concerning the scriptures, but to others you speak in parables? Why don't you speak clearly to them? And he said to them, therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. And by seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes that they are closed. Now, here's the verse that I want you to catch. It says, if their eyes were open, watch what he says now, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I would heal them. So God is saying if they did understand the mysteries of the kingdom, if they did understand the mystery of perhaps who I am, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, then they would be converted. But because they can't understand the mysteries, they neither can be converted. And so we left you uh, last time referring to the mysteries out of the Bible, particularly out of the book of Daniel. So Lonnie, I've asked him to carry on with that subject matter, a very interesting subject matter, and I think that uh, he can better shed knowledge being a teacher on these, on these passages. In uh, the scriptures that uh, Jeff was reading there, the, uh, in Matthew 13, if any of you happen to have a Schofield Bible off of Matthew 13, 11, that Dr. Schofield lists a whole series of the mysteries that are not quite clearly understood in Scripture. And through these series of broadcasts, we'll be going in and you'll be having answers to every one of those mysteries. As for today, because last time we started on political world powers, if you remember in the last broadcast, the four political world powers that Daniel prophesied would be the world powers to the end, uh, that because that was our first subject last time, I'd like to pick it up right there again. Mm -hmm. But because the natural mind can't comprehend the things of God, and these old natural lips can't do a very good job of speaking the Word of God, let's just have a quick word of prayer, because we sure need His help. Lord Jesus, we just bow our heads before You. Any man can turn the pages of this Bible, but only You can open it to our understanding. And so God, we ask that Your Spirit in this studio and out in the uh, homes where the people are viewing. Lord, may your spirit take a hold of them now as we enter into the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the four world powers. <clears throat> now last time, so that you'll be up to speed with us all the time, the last time we talked about, if you recall, um, Jeff, we talked about the book of Revelation mm -hmm. and how that the 
in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, Revelations 10, 7, mm -hmm. in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he should begin to sound, all the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Mm -hmm. And so, well, and another time we'll go more deeply into the angels. We talked in First Peter about the mystery around salvation. Mm -hmm. And tied with that, we have to understand predestination. As, as you know, that's all tied, tied in there. Mm -hmm. And then so now let's go in our Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Those of you that may be uh, having your Bibles with you, just turn there. And I've already got mine marked so I can be speedy here. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has had a dream. And he's very puzzled by the dream. And when he wakes up in the morning, even the dream is gone from him, but he knows that he's terribly disturbed by the dream. He asks all of his wise men and soothsayers uh, to tell him the interpretation of the dream. You can read all this in Daniel 2. And uh, give him the interpretation of the dream. And they said, fine, king, we'll be glad to do that. Tell us the dream. He says, the dream is gone from me but I want the interpretation. They said, oh, no king has ever asked his people these things like this to tell you a dream and the interpretation thereof. And he says, well, if you can't do that for me, then you're of no use to me. You're all going to be killed. So the word finally reached Daniel because he was considered one of the wise men of the kingdom. And when he heard, he sent word back to the king that says, it's true king, no man can tell you your dream and the interpretation. No man can do that, but there is a God in heaven that can do that. Don't be hasty, king. Just give me a little time and let's see what God will say. Mm -hmm. So then starting in Daniel chapter, thir uh, chapter 2, verse 31, it says, thou, sawest, thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. Now, before we go on, I want to remind you, we're talking about four, the world political powers. So this is not going to be ancient history we're talking about completely here. We're going to find out what is the world power today, because the Bible tells us. Verse 2, it says, The image his head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms were of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron and his feet part of iron and part of clay. And you saw till that a stone was cut out, cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And it goes on. <clears throat> First, I want to give you a mental picture. Now, we've got this great image, gold, silver, brass, iron. Iron and clay. And so now we've got this image. Get that picture in your mind, and I'm sure they'll flash it on the screen for you. Then, now a stone cut out of the mountain without hands comes whirling down and hits the image in the feet. Gets the picture now. In the feet. And yet, even though it's hit in the feet, the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, and the clay all break to pieces. So what does that tell us? It tells us that at some point, everything is gathered in the feet. And when the feet are smashed, everything is smashed. So that gives you a little foreview now of where, of where we're going. And we're going to see that the rest of the scriptures confirm, confirm this very thought. Verse 36 says, This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, <coughs> excuse me, thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. 
And wheresoever the children of men will dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, has he given into your hands and has made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So now we're already getting the picture that this is the Babylonian kingdom in the image which is represented at the top. So we got the Babylonian kingdom, now the head of gold. And then it says, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass shall bear rule over all the earth. So we've got, now we've got gold, then silver, then brass, and we see they are each kingdoms and they are each world powers, just like King Nebuchadnezzar was. So each one has been identified now. Verse 40 is number four now. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things, and as iron that breaks all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, part of them iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Sounds kind of mysterious, doesn't it? It was written that way on purpose. You remember we read in Daniel 12, these things were hidden until the time of the end. So God purposely wrote these things in a hidden way. But I want you to notice now, we found that something had gathered all the powers into the feet, and when these, all the kingdoms, excuse me, kingdom powers into the feet, and when this stone cut out of the mountain without its hands hit the feet, everything was broken. But we also noticed that the fourth kingdom, strong as iron, we started with gold, we end up with iron. So we noticed that each metal is less precious than the one before. Gold, silver, brass, iron, iron and clay. Each metal is less precious, and yet each metal is increasingly harder. These points are important as we go on. Now let's go to Daniel chapter 7. We'll find our next symbolism. Now these are symbolizing exactly the same, same kingdoms. In Daniel 7, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. If we were to go to Revelations uh, chapter, uh, think just a minute here, chapter 17, we find that the sea or body of water represents multitudes of people. So, so this is four winds, war and strife, and uh, in, upon the multitudes of people. Bible interprets itself. And verse 3, And the four great beasts came up from the sea. Now, a beast in Bible uh, terms only means a power. You hook a beast to a plow and pull it. You hook a beast to a buggy and pull it. It only means a power. So we got four powers that come up from the masses of people, the sea, different one from another. And verse 4 says, The first was like a lion, heads, eagle's wings. So we got now four powers rising. First one like a lion with eagle's wings. Verse 5, And behold, another beast, a second like a bear. So we got a lion and a bear. 
Now verse 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a, a leopard. We won't go into the details, it'd be, it'd be too lengthy. So we got a lion, a bear, and a leopard. But notice now how the fourth kingdom is always a mystery kingdom. Because uh, Daniel could recognize the lion, the bear, the leopard, but look what happens when he sees the fourth beast. Verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured in broken pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So he couldn't name this one. It was different from all the rest, but it had this characteristics of the iron and the ten horns and all these things. Now, this, you so were going to say... I'm going to ask a question. Yes. So are you saying that the lion, the bear, the leopard, and then the fourth beast, which is diverse and mysterious, and the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron and clay, somehow they work together? Yes, yeah. What it is, is the, the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, and the clay represents the, let's say, the outer facade of the kingdom. Hmm. And Daniel 7, with the lion, the bear, the leopard, that represents the nature of the anointing on the kingdom. Interesting. So these are spirit powers mm -hmm. here. Now the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, and the iron and clay being the facade of the kingdom, when the kingdom went, like Babylon's gone and so on, uh, once they're gone, the kingdom's gone, then that principle is gone. The spirits live on. Hmm. Spirits live on. But now Daniel chapter 8 now actually tells us who these, uh, who these kingdoms are. Now we already read, viewers, we already read in uh, Daniel 2 that the head of gold was King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And then if we would have read it in Daniel 5, you, may, you Bible students will remember the time that a, a hand appeared and wrote on the wall, many, many tekla parson, thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. And then that, at that time, the son of King Nebuchadnezzar was now ruling in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And because he was making fun of the God of Israel, then this writing came on the wall. And it says, when the writing came on the wall, that night that man was slain and the Medes and the Persians took the kingdom. So therefore, that's the second kingdom, the Medes and the Persians. And then in chapter 8, because now Babylon has already fallen to the Medes and Persians, in chapter 8 we pick up uh, right there in verse 20, uh, it gives us actually the answers. If we read in the first part of the verse, it tells us about a, uh, a ram with two horns and then a goat with one horn. And, and the two horns represent uh, Darius, the king, and Mede, the Median Persian, uh, Cyrus. And so we've got the two horns, or kings, on the first one. And then it says, a goat raised up with a single horn and, and broke those horns and took the kingdom. And then it's going to tell us who those kingdoms are, starting in verse 20. It says, the ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. So the two horns represent the two leaders of this beast power, in this case, uh, signified as a, as a ram. Verse 21, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn is between his eyes, is the first king, first king. 
And so the, we know that the Medes and Persians fell to Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. And so he represents that single lord, a single king came in and demolished those two kings and took the kingdom. Verse 22, now that being broken, where, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of that nation, but not in his power. And of course, these empire, empires that rose up out of the Grecian kingdom before the next world power, notice, these didn't become a world power. Alexander the Great was the world power, but his kingdom divided, divided into, I've got it written here in my Bible, there is Greece, Asia Minor, Syria, and Egypt. They were the ones that it, it, they divided the kingdom. So that was still, the, uh, still actually considered under the Grecian kingdom. <clears throat> Verse 22. Now that being broken, excuse me, I read that already. Verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding of dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And then it goes on talking about this fourth kingdom. So is Daniel prophesying here about something that's, that's going to come? Correctly. That's My. So correctly, that's exactly right. So God has taken him by vision and shown him all of these things. And in fact, in the book of Isaiah, we find that the God of the Bible mm -hmm. says, there is no God like me that'll tell you what the future holds. Mm. All the other gods tell you various things, gods that people claim as gods, yes. but none of them have the courage to prophesy the future because God can do that because He controls the future. Mm. He can bring it to pass exactly the way He wants. So this last kingdom has to do with our age. Still has to do with our age. Mm. Now here's, here comes our point, and I'm glad you asked me about the, uh, the difference between the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron, and the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the fourth beast, because the, the Daniel 7, where the animals are said, that's the spirit powers or anointing. Kingdoms fall, but spirit powers don't die. So let's go to Revelations chapter 13, and we'll find those spirit powers still working all the way over here at the end time. And as we unveil this portion, we begin to see what's happening. Now, there's no question about what originally the fourth kingdom was. No question about that. All we have to do is go back in our thinking, who was the world power at the time of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Mm -hmm. It was the Roman Empire. Yes. So therefore, we know the fourth kingdom that couldn't be described was the Roman Empire. But you say, but the Roman Empire fell shortly after Constantine. How can we say that's the final world power? That's the mystery. And that's that's because God said there's only four world powers, and they are Gentile world powers. And the scripture says that Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So therefore, all this time from King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon until the time that Jerusalem is no longer being afflicted by Gentiles, until that time, God has allowed the Gentiles to be the world rulers. And then, and then at the time that he turns his attention back to Israel again, he's finished with us Gentiles. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but finished with us Gentiles as far as salvation and grace is concerned. And he turns his full attention to the Jews in the same way that we read in Romans chapter 10 and 11 that he turned from the Jews to the Gentiles. 
Now he's promised to turn from the Gentiles back to the Jews again. Mm. And then, of course, the king of kings will shortly thereafter become the king over all the earth, which is the mm. son of David. Now, in, in Revelations chapter 13, starting at verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now, if you remember, that's exactly where Daniel was standing when he saw it. So he's standing where there's great power. And saw a beast, a power, rising up out of the sea, out of the multitudes of people. And upon, excuse me, having seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the names of blasphemy, or blasphemous names. Now, we're already seeing a resemblance here between the fourth beast and Daniel because of the ten horns. Yes. But let's continue on, then we'll find it exactly. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. We found a leopard in Daniel. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. And that we found that in Daniel. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. So there's our lion, our bear, our leopard, exactly as we found in Daniel chapter 7. So remember I talked about how that on the image all the powers were gathered into the feet that when the smashing stone comes and hits the feet, it destroys all the kingdoms. Now here we see the anointing of all those kingdoms all gathered into one power. Mm -hmm. This one kingdom, whatever this kingdom is, we don't know for sure yet, uh, at least I haven't told you, but all these kingdoms now have, excuse me, anointings have been gathered into one final kingdom to be the final, final Gentile power on earth. So this anointings now, the lion, the bear, the leper, and they're all, and it says, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So now we've introduced something here mm -hmm. that if we were to go to, to uh, over, back up to Revelations 12, 9, it says that that old dragon was the devil himself. Mm. So now here's, here's kingdoms under a, uh, a nature of an anointing, lion, bear, leopard, nature of an anointing, and then, but the uh, anointing is coming from Satan. Mm -hmm. Now, if we were to go back, do you remember when Jesus went up on uh, that mount of temptation with mm -hmm. Satan, tempting him right after he came up out of the water from right. being baptized, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Then he, uh, uh, remember Satan offered him all the kingdoms mm -hmm. of the world, bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Yeah. And of course the word is the corrector of error. Yeah. But Jesus didn't correct the devil no. when he said they're all, all the kingdoms of the world are mine. Jesus didn't, do, uh, didn't uh, refute that. No. But the reason was that this devil would offer those kingdoms to him if Jesus would have accepted them, it would have bypassed the cross mm -hmm. and we would all be lost. Right. But the, the uh, kingdoms that Satan offered Jesus will rule, be ruler over one day anyway, Amen. and he purchased it by his blood. Mm. So here's the, uh, here's the Satan now ruling, ruling these powers. So now this, this represents the Roman Empire that gathered all the anointing and powers of the previous kingdoms now to himself. Verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast, so now it's been wounded, but lived again. Mm. How can this be? This, this is the death of 
a pagan Rome, mm. pagan Rome, a political pagan Rome, political pagan Rome. This is its death, but somehow it rises back to life again. Remember, we're talking about anointings here. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be an emperor sitting on a throne. It's anointings. So therefore, somewhere this world power anointing is continuing on, even though the Roman Empire has diminished. So now let's go to Revelations chapter 17. If you'd ever read in, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast hidden these things from the eyes of the wide and prudent and revealed it unto babes such as would learn. And you're seeing here that these truths are hidden in the Bible. And once linked together, you, you see the truth unfolding. And of course, this is the end time, like we've been telling you, where these truths are to be unveiled, hidden to previous ages. All the previous ages knew that the four kingdoms were what I have, what I have told you, Babylon, the Medes and Persians, Greece and Rome, they all knew that. But what happened to it after that? There's all kinds of speculations. But this is, this is the unveiled truth for the end time. Revelation 17, verse one. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Now, when we're seeing a woman in Bible symbolism, it's a church, because the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ. But this woman, Jesus is marrying a virgin bride. Mm -hmm. But this woman is a whore. Mm -hmm. And of course, what's the difference? The difference is, is that the scripture says a married woman is just as pure as a virgin. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, this uh, virgin woman, just as pure as a virgin, would receive seed from one source, mm -hmm. and that's her husband. Mm -hmm. But this kind of woman, she receives seed from all kinds of places. Mm -hmm. So now, what seed would the virgin church be receiving? God said, his word is his seed. Mm -hmm. So now we've got a seed word that the true church will receive, but here's a, a church that's receiving all kinds of seed, creeds, dogmas, declarations. So therefore God says you're a whore. Verse two, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, they've entered into her doctrines. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornications, that's false doctrines. So he carried me away in the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, seven heads, ten horns. This is the same power we just saw in mm, Revelation 13. Sure is. Yeah, same one. Mm -hmm. But what's riding on it? A church. Mm -hmm. And I notice in verse 5, she's called Mystery Babylon. So again, this is one of the mysteries that we talked about in the beginning that's integral to our overcoming the enemy Satan. Correcto. Mm. Right, right at the very beginning was Babylon, and it ends up in the end time as mystery Babylon. Mm. And so here we are now, next time we're gonna pick up right at this place, and we'll unveil to you how this transition from political Rome to religious Rome took place, and where is it, and what is it, and what is it doing today? Saints, it's been really good to be with you. Got anything to say to well, the people? Well, that should be interesting, and I'm looking forward to next time. Amen. God bless you, saints.
receive a DVD of today's program entitled, What is God Doing Today? Send your request to this address or visit our website at www.globalanswers.us. May our Lord Jesus